0: Good morning. It's a privilege to be here with everyone this morning. I'd like to start by uh, jumping into our text, Psalm 100, five short but powerful and impactful verses. So let's read it together. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, I actually chose this psalm, this text to speak on back in September when Mike asked me to preach, and I I didn't choose it because Thanksgiving was coming up. It wasn't until maybe 10 days ago that I realized, oh, wow, this is kind of appropriate to uh, the time of year we're in. But I picked it because at about midnight one night, I couldn't sleep, and so I um, just turned on the computer and was going through the Bible, um, kind of on the computer there, and Psalm 100 was the psalm that popped up. And I read it, and it just, again, it jumped off the page at me. It was as if God was trying to help me see this particular psalm in a, in a little different light or perhaps from a different angle than I had seen it before. When I had read Psalm 100 in the past, I read it as, you know, an encouragement, a reminder from God for us to give thanks to him, you know, continuously and to practice that, to give thanks to him for all the good that he's done for us, for all the blessings that he's given us. And I think this psalm does teach that. It does give us that reminder. That is a very good thing. The angle, I think, though, that the Holy Spirit helped me to see this psalm from in preparing for this message is that it's not just that we're to give thanks to God for the the outer blessings that he's given us. Because those outer blessings can change. Sometimes when we ask God for something, he says no. (laughs) And sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says yes. But if we only thank God for when he says yes to us, if we only thank God for when he gives us um, what we want, then we're missing out on so many opportunities to thank him. And so, in preparing this message, I learned a couple of things. First, Thanksgiving's not merely a holiday given to us by the government, although it is that, and it's nice to have some days off work. Thanksgiving is not only even a religious command prescribed by the Bible, though it is that as well. But even more so, Thanksgiving is a tool for us that God gives us that helps us to survive the paths that he leads us on in our earthly lives. Thanksgiving can become a black light that illuminates the presence of God around us. And Thanksgiving can also be a sump pump that helps keep our heads above the floodwaters of life when everything around us seems to be caving in. In researching this psalm, I learned that this psalm was inspired by God. It was written down and it was intended to be recited after the jewish people returned from 70 years in exile in babylon in the sixth century bc this psalm was intended to be recited by the people of god after they returned to their homeland after having families been separated for 70 years the nobility and the king of judah carted off to a foreign land families split up uh, The city of Jerusalem destroyed. The temple, the place where God himself dwelled, was leveled to the ground and completely destroyed. All of the valuable and the noteworthy articles in the temple that had been used since early times with Moses and all the other, and and David and Solomon, all of those valuable articles that had such meaning to the Jewish people had been taken and put in the temple of a pagan god in Babylon. After that, after the people returned and found their former way of life in physical disruption, in physical disrepair, this is the psalm that God wanted them to recite. He wanted them to sing a song of thanks when everything that they had grown up with, everything that they had ever known, was in piles of rubble. Psalm 100 teaches us that thanksgiving is inherently contingent upon the character of God and not on the quality of our circumstances. Let me say that one more time. Psalm 100, recited by the Jews, standing in the rubble of their once glorious temple after their return from a seven-decade-long exile in Babylon, Psalm 100 teaches us that thanksgiving is inherently Contingent upon the character of God and not upon the quality of our circumstances. So let's go through this psalm again, kind of line at a time. Psalm 100 Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Notice the psalmist doesn't say shout for happiness. Nothing wrong with happiness. The problem is happiness is Necessarily about outer circumstances. Happiness is about when we kind of get our way or when things on the outside go the way we want, we're happy. And again, that's beautiful. Thank God for those times when we're happy, when we have victories, when we get what we want. However, joy is about something completely different. Happiness can be blown away by the wind, can be changed by circumstances. Joy is an inner trust in, an inner conviction and belief in the truth of god of who he is and the promises he's made to us and that can't be changed joy is the reason not happiness but joy is the reason that paul and silas could sing praises to god when they were shackled in a prison and and the jailers and the guards and some of the other prisoners were looking around and saying, how can you do this Well, they didn't have an understanding yet about the joy that god wants to cultivate in us that the holy spirit wants to teach us about and grow in us over time paul and silas had that we too can have that today if we let him god wants to develop that joy in us that cannot be changed by outer circumstances so shout for joy to the lord all the earth let's direct our shouts of joy at god when i've looked back on my life at the times when i was extremely and explicitly thankful sometimes i was thankful to god and sometimes i was just kind of kind of you know throwing up my thankfulness like scattering seeds to the wind i didn't really know where it was going i wasn't directing it at god in particular i was just being thankful in general and while that's not the worst thing in the world when we're thankful to god specifically it reminds our minds and our hearts that every good and perfect gift comes from God. A lot of times when I look back on kind of the gifts God has given me, either the outer blessings or or the inner talents or the people God has surrounded me with, sometimes I, I think subconsciously I've looked at it and said, well, God is just up in heaven and, he, and he, he spreads his blessing on the earth. And then I, through my hard work, have kind of somehow managed to gather up the blessings because Um, because I've worked hard and been following God and reading the Bible and so forth. It's almost as if God, I thought, was anonymously blessing me and other people. But this psalm and reading throughout Scripture helps me realize that God doesn't just anonymously bless humans and then we have to kind of gather it up as best we can, and whoever's fastest or works the hardest gets the most blessing. God blesses us personally. He blesses us specifically. And so when we shout for joy to the Lord, when we thank God for the gifts that he's given us, it's reminding us that all our our gifts and all our blessings come from him. But it's also reminding us that we're not just anonymous humans lost in a sea of of seven billion people on this planet. It can sometimes feel that way, that God doesn't notice us, that no one seems to see the sacrifices that we're making for God and others. Sometimes the people closest to us don't realize all we're doing for them. And even the best of us, we can kind of you know, keep pressing on and we can keep doing a good job and keep working hard at living as God wanted us to live, but sometimes we need a little pat on the back. We need a little add-a-boy or add-a-girl to say, hey, great job. And when we remember that God and we realize that God's blessing us specifically, he's, he's, he's tailoring his gifts to us as individuals, that can be wonderfully freeing. So shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. God wants us to worship him. He wants us to learn over time how to treat him as if he really is all that we need, as if he really is our all in all, our everything. It's difficult to do this. But God wants us to practice that over time, to come to him during good times, to come to him during difficult times, and to come to him and, and, and be with him and invite him into our activities during all those times in the middle of our victories and defeats, all of those kind of mundane moments of life, when we're running errands or when we're riding the train at 6.30 a.m. down to the city, when we're doing load after load of laundry or when we're, you know, filling out paperwork or writing checks or just all of these mundane and, and simple and seemingly unspiritual activities that we go through, God wants to worship him during those as well. And we can worship him during those as well by learning over time to practice inviting him into those activities. That those activities on a Tuesday morning or a a Wednesday afternoon are just as important as as the activities we're doing right now, 9.30 a.m. in his house. So worship God with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Well, how do we do that? What, What are these joyful songs that we're to sing of? What if we don't feel glad? Are we supposed to fake it? Are we supposed to just pretend we're, we're joyful with God? No. We're not supposed to just pretend, but we can recalibrate our joy. We can refocus it and kind of reignite it a bit. When we focus on who God is, on his character that doesn't change like our circumstances, when we focus on what God has promised us in Scripture that he promised us will happen, guaranteed, That, over time, helps to refuel our joy. It helps to turn and transform our happiness, which can be changed, into joy, which can't be touched. And so, for example, we can focus on the fact that Jesus promised that he will be with us always. He will be with us always, even to the very end of the age. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what bad we've done or good we've failed to do, Jesus promises to be with us. That's comforting. That's amazing, even when it doesn't feel like God's with us. We can make that choice to say, well, am I going to trust my feelings, which sometimes are are corrupt and suspect, or am I going to trust Jesus' own words, where he said, I promise I will be with you always. That's comforting. That helps us have joy over time. Or what about when we read the great promise that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That when we, we've sinned or when we've, you know, betrayed God or betrayed someone close to us, we have that nagging voice in our head or in our heart that says, See, you never were a Christian to begin with. Jesus hasn't done anything in your heart. You're just the same as you were a year ago, a decade ago, and a quarter century ago or more. But we can rest on this truth that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus encouraging. That's good news. And that also fills us with joy over time. We can focus on Jesus's promise that right now, if we've trusted in him as our Lord and Savior, he's preparing our eternal home in heaven. We can't see him do it, but we can trust in the fact that he says that he is doing that. He's preparing where we're going to live forever, and he's going to make it amazing. And not only that, but he's going to, he promises, he's going to come back and bring us to where he is so that we can be with him forever. We're not going to be separated from God by this this sinful flesh forever. We're going to see Jesus' face someday. He promises. And that helps us to keep pressing on after him. Jeremiah 29, where where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to to give you a future and a hope. When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me, declares the Lord. And I think about all those explorers who sailed in the last four or five or six hundred years, not knowing what they were going to find, not even necessarily knowing what they were looking for, but they were just exploring. There was no guarantee that they were ever going to find anything. But with God, he says when we seek him with all our heart, when knowing God becomes more important to us over time than anything else, he guarantees that we're going to find that, you know, that lost city of El Dorado. We're going to find him, the truest satisfaction of our heart's deepest desires. So it's promises like that when we remind ourselves of those promises, when the Holy Spirit um, makes some withdrawals, on the deposits of Scripture that we've made by reading the Bible over time, that is how we're able to come before the Lord with gladness and to sing to him with joyful songs, even when we don't necessarily feel glad or joyful. Verse 3, the psalmist says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist didn't say feel that the Lord is God. Although there's nothing wrong with feeling God. There's nothing wrong with getting those goosebumps. There's nothing wrong with doing a, a service for someone or, or blessing them or putting their needs ahead of our own. And sometimes we walk away and we're, we're two inches off the ground and we're just so excited that, that, we, that we did that that we finally are starting to learn what it means to love others the way we love ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that feeling. There's nothing wrong when your favorite worship song comes up and inside you're like, yes, I'm so excited for this song. I love it. That's beautiful. Those feelings are wonderful. But those feelings are kind of like dessert. They're not meant to be the main meal. We're not meant to spiritually live on those those spiritual highs that god sometimes gives us he wants to teach us to know that he is with us to know that he is good even when we don't feel that he is with us or feel that he is good it reminds me of you know an athlete who might hit a game-winning home run to win the world series and and when that athlete is interviewed after the fact the athlete typically says, you know, I can't even put it into words how great this feels. I can't even describe it. It's an unbelievable feeling, and I'm sure it is. <laughs> the problem is, imagine if that same player the very next season in game one was expecting to get that same feeling again. It's not going to happen. It was almost a once-in-a-lifetime, and for most people, it's not even a once-in-a-lifetime chance to, to, to have that kind of experience. The athlete's not going to get it all the time. And I think similarly with us, God is sometimes going to give us those feelings of when he's with us and that emotion of him being near and him filling us. But I don't believe, at least while we're on earth, he means for us to constantly live on that. He wants to teach us how to keep trusting in him, how to keep praising him, how to sing to him when it doesn't seem like he's there. And to do it in the same, with the same energy and with the same trust and with the same faith and joy as we do when we do feel him there. I remember walking in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade when I went to Our Lady of Perpetual Help School in Glenview. And I after school, I would walk to the Glenview Public Library. And my dad, you know, who was you know working hard, um, leading a trucking company in Chicago, he would typically come and pick me up around five, five thirty, sometimes six, you know, and I was reading books, playing chess, doing my homework, you know, having fun. <laughs> This one particular time, though, the librarians who had gotten to know me, it was about 6.30, 6.45, and and my dad hadn't shown up yet. Now, this was kind of before cell phones and stuff, and so I I hadn't heard from my dad. He didn't call me or text me or page me or something and let me know he was going to be late, and so the librarians were a little bit concerned, and they said, you know, MJ, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, how are you going to get home? And, you know, they were worried, and I looked at them, and I said, oh, don't worry, my dad's coming. You know, and there was a sense where they looked at me and they're just like, but how do you know that? You you know, you don't have any proof that he's on his way. And I just thought, no, he'll be here. I knew that he was coming, even though I didn't have any proof that he was on his way. And sure enough, he did show up. God wants us to get to that point over time. Doesn't happen overnight. But where we just know, yeah, he's with me. Yeah, life seems to be kind of crumbling around me a bit. But God's with me. God is still God. God is still good. To God be the glory. Verse number four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And so God is teaching us, like he taught the Israelites um, many years ago, they were to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, literally the temple in Jerusalem. We can't do that here. We're in North America in the Western Hemisphere. But it's not necessarily just about the geographical location because now, since Jesus was born, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, came back to life three days later and ascended into heaven, anyone who trusts in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is living in us. We are God's temple. So wherever we go, we can enter his courts with praise. And his gates with thanksgiving. It's this idea of inviting God into our normal daily life and saying, This can be just as spiritual. This can be just as pleasing a sound to God, just as aromatic a scent to Him when I'm talking to Him, when I'm apologizing to Him, when I'm singing about Him and thinking about Him and and talking to Him, when I'm driving the kids to soccer practice or when I'm in the grocery store, or when I'm at a business meeting, all of those elements, we can still enter God's gates even in those places with praise. And he wants to teach us that over time. And finally, verse 5, For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. When it says his love endures forever, The psalmist is trying to get us to refocus on those things that are eternal, those things that last forever. There have been many times in my life when I've fallen to sleep at night, comforted by a recent success that I've had, just thinking about and kind of dwelling on an accomplishment that I've made or something that I've done really well and maybe got some recognition for. Okay. Again, the problem is, Those accomplishments fade away. Trophies rust. Records are meant to be broken. Careers can dissolve. The things that I grip onto in this earthly life can change. And so if that, over time, if I've trained myself unwittingly to kind of lull myself to sleep in safety and and in um, encouragement, by gripping onto and cuddling close with my successes and my achievements... What am I going to do when those things get washed away? What am I going to do when the spiritual hurricane sandies of life come blowing through and it's just wreckage around me? But God wants to focus on his love, his goodness, his character, what he's done in the past that endures forever, what he promises to do for us in the future, that nothing can change. Right at the beginning of verse 5, it says, For the Lord is good. God is good no matter what. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to watch a video. We're going to watch a video about a testimony of a man named Zach Smith, whom God taught through the the brutal challenge of cancer. God taught him and his family how to praise God, even in difficult times. God taught him and his family to be able to say, like Job, God is good. God gives and God takes away, but regardless... May the name of the Lord be praised. This Psalm 100 was not only used when circumstances were good, but it's also important for us to practice when life is eroding around us, when we don't feel like praising God. Before we play the video, I want to just read a quote that's on the inside of your worship folder, your bulletin. It's a little bit of a long quote, but when I read it, loved ones, when I put In Thanksgiving Christian quotes into Google and a bunch of different, you know, websites and quotes popped up, this particular one just grabbed me, just helped me, I think, and hopefully us to understand a little bit more what the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 100. Craig Barnes at the bottom of the page writes, Being thankful is not telling God that you appreciate the fact that your life is not in shambles. If that is the basis of your gratitude, you're on slippery ground. Every day of your life, you face the possibility that a blessing in your life, a person, a place, or a thing, can be taken away from you. But blessings are only signs of God's love. The real blessing, of course, is the love itself. Whenever we get too attached to the sign, we lose our grasp on the God who gave it to us. Churches are filled with widows who can explain this to you. We are not ultimately grateful that we are still holding our blessings. We are grateful that we are held by God even when the blessings are slipping through our fingers. So let's watch this video and see how God taught Zach Smith and his family how to rejoice in the fact that God was holding them even during their crisis.
1: My name is Zach Smith, and I am 33 years old. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Mandy, for 11 years. We have three children, Lizzie, Jake, and Luke. And this is my story. I met Jesus when I was five years old. I grew up as a son of missionary parents in Ecuador, where I lived for 15 years. I went to college in Arizona, where I met my wife. For the next 10 years, we traveled around while I worked in the information technology field. We served in our local church, and I attended seminary. I often thought about working in full-time ministry, but no opportunities seemed right. I was told about a job here at New Spring Church helping with information technology. It was perfect, an IT job at an amazing church. I took the job and started working in October of 2008. For several months, life was very good, and we were very happy. 2009 at age 32 i was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer immediately i had surgery to remove a foot and a half of my large intestine and a lemon-sized tumor i was told the cancer had spread to my spleen and to my liver chemotherapy was on the horizon this was all a very sudden shock to me i had always been very healthy i found myself very confused why did i have cancer had i done something wrong to cause it Was this a result of many years of sinful living in my past? I was working at a church and serving God. Where did I go wrong? But thankfully the confusion quickly turned to hope. I knew that God had a plan for my life. I did not understand why I had cancer, but I knew that God was in charge. For three months I underwent a horrible chemo regimen. Afterwards I had a scan done and the results were great. There was no cancer found in my body. We celebrated God's healing and God's faithfulness. And the next few weeks of my life were some of the best as I celebrated being cancer free. But another scan one month later showed that the cancer had reappeared, this time in my abdominal cavity. I was devastated. Why was it back? Everything was just starting to make sense, but the reoccurrence of cancer caused even greater confusion. I resumed chemotherapy and did more tests. The cancer is now growing and getting worse. Unfortunately, the chemo drugs are no longer effective in my abdomen. And surgery is not an option due to the degraded state of my liver. Medically speaking, there is nothing more for me. And medically speaking, I probably will not live to 2011. The Bible says in Matthew 7:11 that God gives good things to those who ask. God cannot give me a bad gift. And it is through that lens that I can say that cancer is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I am a better husband and a better dad, a better boss and a better employee, a better friend and a better follower of Jesus. And through cancer, God has shown me some amazing things about himself. Those are indeed great gifts. I still have questions about cancer, why it went away and why it came back. I do not understand, but I know that God is in charge. I am praying for God to heal me. That is my desire. I want to walk my daughter Lizzie down the aisle. I want to watch my sons, Jake and Luke, become men. I want to grow old with Mandy, and I want to live my life with my friends here at work. But I may not be able to work for very much longer, and I may have just celebrated my last Christmas with my family. I do know. If God chooses to heal me, then God is God and God is good. If God chooses not to heal me and allows me to die, God is still God and God is still good. To God be the glory.
0: Loved ones, I didn't show that video thinking that, wow, if you just see a four and a half minute video like that, It just takes care of any problems you might be going through. Not at all. But it's an encouragement to us, I think, when we see and when we hear about other people who are normal like us, who love Jesus and are trying to love him with all their hearts every day, trying to love all of our neighbors the way we love ourselves. When we see someone who's just like us go through something so difficult and choose to praise God in the midst of it, when they choose to focus more on who God is and what he has done and what he promises to do and not as much on what is happening to them, that's something to emulate. That's something to model. The same Spirit of God that's in Zach and his family is the Spirit of God who's in us if we've said yes to Jesus. The same Spirit of God that enabled Jesus on the cross when he was hanging there for all those hours who enabled him to stay there and to finish the mission that God the Father had sent him to do, that same Spirit of God is in us and will help us if we let him through our difficult times, will teach us how to praise God through the challenges we face. You know, you think about it. Jesus cried out famously on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? God promises never to abandon us. But in order for us to be forgiven, he actually had to abandon his only son. And so when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When the Father's face was turned away from his only son, in between that moment and the time where Jesus finally gave up his spirit, and he died on the cross. In that time, Jesus truly was alone. He's the only one who could truly say, I've been abandoned. And yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit living in him, he didn't call down 10,000 angels to rescue him. He could have. He would have been right to do that. But he didn't. He continued to hang on that cross and finish what he started, obeying God the Father, Loving him and loving us. Hebrews says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Not for the happiness promised Jesus, for the joy that was set before Jesus, the joy of doing the Father's will and the joy of bringing many sons and daughters to forgiveness, to eternal life with God. For that joy, Jesus endured the cross. And so, may we start to practice this idea of thanksgiving. May we start to practice coming to God in joy, focusing not only on the blessings he's given us or our circumstances, but focusing on who God is and what he's done and what he promises to do. May we start to do that. May we continue even to do that. And may we remember, one last point, when we thank God it blesses him. It makes him feel good. Think about that for a second. It's not just that you're to give thanks to God and you better do it. It's, it's not necessarily even that we have to do it, although we have to do it, but, but it's that we get to do it. When we thank God, it blesses him. Um, I remember a few years ago being in Lincolnshire with my wife. Um, we got to go out on a breakfast date to Egg Harbor Cafe. And so we pull in there, and we're walking in. We can't wait to get our breakfast. We're so excited to have some kind of quiet time together. And lo and behold, I see Mr. George Payovich, my music teacher from Our Lady of Perpetual Help when I was in you know, kindergarten through eighth grade. And Mr. Peovic, you know, wasn't exactly the coolest teacher. You know, he teaches music class to elementary students and to boys. We'd much rather be at recess or at gym. We'd much rather be doing things like that. And, and he focused a lot of times on kind of the, the, the history and the art of music. So it's not even like playing cool songs. He would teach us, like, the philosophies behind music. And we're in fifth grade. Like, are you kidding? Right? <laughs> but I saw him, and there was just this moment where I was like, Mr. Paevich, and, and he looked at me, you know, who is this person talking to me, and I said, Mr. Payovich, I'm MJ, class of 94 from OLPH, you know, you are my music teacher, I just, I am so glad to see you, I just want to thank you for, for teaching us so well, and really, now that I look back on it, Mr. Paevich, I still called him Mr. Paevich, and I was a dad and a husband. But I said, now that I look back on it, you helped develop in me a love of music, and not just pop culture music, but classical music and all different kinds. He looked at me, probably about 60, 65 years old at that time, weeping in front of me, weeping in the parking lot of Egg Harbor Cafe, all because I thanked him. I thanked him. Imagine if that's the impact that Thanksgiving can have on a a sinful human. Imagine what it does for God. Imagine what a pleasing aroma our Thanksgiving is to God. And not just our Thanksgiving for when things are going well, but when we focus in and thank God on how great He is. Imagine how that smells to God. Imagine how that makes Him feel. May that be some of our encouragement, not only during November, but all 12 months of the year to praise God for who He is and what He promises to do. Please pray with me. Almighty God, Holy One, I stand on this platform extremely convicted by my own words, by what I've said last night at the Saturday night service and this morning at this 9 a.m. service. And God, Father, I pray for myself and I pray for everyone here. Would you help us with this? Oh God, would you help us never to give up on you? Would you help us to trust that you're never going to give up on us? Would you help us to focus on that amazing parable of the prodigal son? That when that son disgraced you, when that son, you know, took his inheritance, took half of everything you owned while you were still alive and squandered it all, that you still went to your front door and you still looked at him, looked for him in the distance every day to see if he'd ever come back. And when you caught a glimpse of him, hundreds and hundreds of yards away, you ran out to meet him and you hugged him. You disgraced yourself according to the culture of 2,000 years ago you put a robe on this lost son and you put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and you you pulled off an amazing celebration all on a moment's notice because this son was lost and now he was found and would you help us to focus on God on who you are and the characteristics of you that we read in that parable and throughout scripture how good you are God how amazing you are. Help us to keep praising you even when it hurts. Help us to keep loving others even when we don't feel like it, God. Help us to keep giving thanks even when it's hard to find anything to be thankful for. And help us to know that one day you promise to wipe away every tear from our eyes. You promise to bind up our wounds and heal us forever and bring us to be with you in your presence forever in heaven where we'll never feel pain again, where we will never feel heartbreak and disappointment, but we will only gaze upon you forever, and every desire of our hearts will be satisfied perfectly forever. Help us to look forward to that day and to trust that it will happen as you say it will. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.